As we continue our Christmas celebration with today's Feast of the Holy Family, I'd like to speak about the Christian family in general. And in particular, I'd like to talk about how the Eucharist is of central importance to it. Also, I'd like to address one of the two changes that St. Mary's will be making in connection to our practice surrounding the Eucharist. Let's start off by looking over at our beautiful nativity scene. Here we see the Holy Family. The way things are placed, even in just the arrangement of the statues, teaches us a lot about the family in general. Who is center stage but Jesus himself? Jesus is in the center, and everyone else is placed around him like planets orbiting a star. They are all intently looking towards him. This is a model for the Christian family. In the Christian family, Jesus has to be in the center. And the members of the family are in harmony with one another because each one is looking towards Jesus. Remember also the big picture setting of the nativity. It took place in the city of Bethlehem. Now, Bethlehem in Hebrew is Beit Lechem, which is translated in English as House of Bread. House of Bread. And, of course, as we know, Christ is the bread of life. And we see him there. He's lying in a manger, which is a trough, in which is placed food for animals. So the nativity scene is Eucharistic. Jesus, in his identity as the bread of life, as the Eucharist, is the center of the Holy Family. This is an example for us in our family lives and how central the Eucharist should be for our families. Now, why should the Eucharist be central to the Christian family? In our tradition, just as baptism is called the sacrament of faith, so the Eucharist is called the sacrament of love. The sacrament of love. Hmm. Kind of sounds like the sacrament of matrimony, doesn't it? There is a very deep connection between the Eucharist and marriage. The Eucharist is the sign of the covenantal love between Christ and the Church, the spousal love between Christ and the Church. And that love is indissoluble. It can never be broken. It can never be broken because Christ is always faithful to his promises. But for Christians, the sacramental marriage bond is also indissoluble. Christ restored the natural institution of marriage to its original purity, and then he elevated it to a sacrament, a sign of his love for us and a means of supernatural grace. The power of Christ's indissoluble love given to us in the Eucharist feeds and nourishes the indissoluble marriage bond of the Christian couple, and it enables them to weather the storms of marital and family stress. Now, as we all know, marriage and family aren't easy. Spouses can differ on money matters, on how to raise children, 
There can be differences of communication styles that put stress on the relationship. Then there are economic constraints and pressures, time management issues, conflict over in-laws, sudden misfortunes such as accidents, hospitalization, sickness. And as the children grow up and develop their own lives, all their problems become mom and dad's problems. Marriage and family are not easy. But Christ teaches us that none of these inevitable problems are reasons to give up on marriage and the family. They have to be faced and they have to be overcome until death do us part. What is needed here is a love that is strong enough to last one's whole life. A love, in fact, that is stronger than death. A sacrificial love. And the theme of sacrifice is very evident in our scriptural readings today. In our first reading, Samuel is dedicated permanently as long as he lives to the temple. What is the temple, though, but the place of sacrifice? And then in our gospel, we have Jesus who has been spending all his time in the temple. And note that it says Mary and Joseph found him in the temple after three days. Three days. Does that ring a bell? Christ died and was buried and rose again on the third day. So here we have a veiled reference to the Paschal mystery. When we hear this gospel passage about the young boy Jesus in the temple, we should think of his cross, of his sacrificial love for us. So let's again return to the Eucharist. The love supernaturally imparted to spouses and the family by the Eucharist is a permanent and unbreakable love. It's also a sacrificial love because the Eucharist is a representation of Christ's sacrificial death on the cross. The Eucharist is thus the source of strength for couples and families whose health and success depends on the spirit of self-sacrifice. Now let me transition to some of these changes in our practices surrounding the Eucharist. Thus far, the natural family has been the topic of our homily, but we can't forget that there is a larger supernatural family into which our natural families are called to be integrated. Notice how how in our Eucharistic prayer we say to God the Father, Listen to the prayers of this family whom you have summoned before you. Gather to yourself all your children, so forth and so on. And indeed, our second reading today speaks of the love the Father has bestowed on us that we might be called children of God. And so in Jesus, the Son of God, we have all been adopted into God's family. We are all brothers and sisters. Now, unfortunately, as we gather here to offer the Eucharistic sacrifice, some of our brothers and sisters cannot join us. They are homebound. They are in the hospital or nursing home, whatever the case might be. The ordained minister exercises a supernatural fatherhood in relation to this spiritual family. And just as a father has grave responsibilities in relation to his family, so also the priest has grave responsibilities towards his parish family. It's the priest's job to extend the Eucharistic sacrifice to those not present by bringing them communion. 
Now, unfortunately, again, there are many individuals who are in this condition and are not able to join us for the Eucharist. And practically speaking, uh, the, t- the priest's time is finite. So Mother Church has made provision for what is called an extraordinary minister of communion. That's a lay person who's been commissioned uh, by his or her parish priest to help him carry out his duties in this area. And so we have people uh, who for quite a while now have been bringing communion to uh, a loved one at home or in a hospital or, or what have you. These people are, in effect, extraordinary ministers of communion. Properly understood, they are an extension of the priest's ministry, and as such, the priest needs to know who they are uh, and that they're carrying out their sacred function in a proper manner. And so I invite those who bring communion to a loved one outside of Mass and who have been doing this for quite some time now to touch base with me after Mass today or to call the rectory and get in touch with me. I'll get your name down on a list and supply you with a special uh, parish-owned pix that has got a code on it and uh, a special laminated card with the proper communion rite on it so that that can be done while communion is being administered. These changes will uh, be in place by the first of the new year, at which time these extraordinary ministers will present their special picks to the main celebrant to receive their host from him alone. And uh, all this can be found in the bulletin, so I direct you to the bulletin. Yes, the Holy Eucharist is the center of the Christian life for both the natural family and the supernatural family of the Church. Let us approach so great a sacrament properly with the reverence and veneration due to it, so as to receive from it the grace we need to image forth Christ's indissoluble and sacrificial love in our families, in our church, and in the world.